Welcome to Masterpiece Women. This is Tina Raines, and I'm the founder of Masterpiece Women, and I am so excited to have you here today. We are a community of authentic women from all over the world, growing together, personally, professionally, building businesses and ministries together. Grab a cup of coffee or your favorite tea and sit back and grow with us. Thanks for being here, ladies. Good morning, beautiful women of God. Oh my goodness, it's so good to be back with you again today. And so today we're starting on Exodus 9 and 10. And I hope you're enjoying these chapters. I really am enjoying them. It's been really great. God's been showing me so many things. It's interesting how when you're studying his word, things that you may have seen over and over and over just happen to pop up and sometimes whack you upside the head and go, okay, Lord, I get it. I get it. Um, but it reminds me of so many seasons in my life that um, maybe I was a little like Pharaoh. Were you like, have you, can you ever like think of a time when, oh my goodness, yes, I was like Pharaoh. God would tell me something and he would um, ask me to do something. And I was just so stubborn. Oftentimes it was my fear, et cetera, right? But that really all boils back down to pride. So um, I'm just going to pray God today as we jump into your word and we're in chapters nine and 10, just use this time, use your word to just build us up in you, to give us your bold confidence, to remind us of how sovereign you are, how omnipotent you are, how much you love us and how you have everything in control. Sometimes when it feels like life is out of control, these chapters have been such a great reminder of how in control you are and how powerful you are. So thank you, Jesus. And ladies, let's just dive in here. Um, in Jesus name, amen. <laughs> Lord, thanks. Um, I'm just so thankful. I love coming together with you. I love um, watching what I'm seeing is happening, um, the feedback I'm getting from you. I'd love to hear from you today. Email me. Um, let me know what it is, what is it that God is revealing to you in this time? Because I know that he's got something for each one of us. And every one of us may see this a little bit differently. And my perspective on 9 and 10 and all these other chapters is just to share with you. I just pray and pray, God, what is it you want the ladies to hear and what you want me to see, what you want us to see. And so I'm just sharing with you what God's revealing to me, but I would love to hear what he's revealing to you as well. So let's, um, let's read here in chapter nine. I think it's just so interesting how, um, you know, he starts again with what he goes to the livestock. And if you look at, um, at the, chapters that we've already gone through in the you know six to ten what was God adamant about why was he repeating himself why did God constantly um harden his heart and then give him another plague have you thought about why I you know I'm always asking God why 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 and I feel like when you read these chapters you see let's look at it, it says then the Lord said to Moses go to Pharaoh and say to him this is what the Lord, the God of Hebrews says, let my people go that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go and continue to hold them back, the hand of the Lord will bring a terrible plague on your livestock, on your horses, your donkeys, your camels, and your cattle, your sheep and goats. But the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the 
and that of Egypt so that no animal belonging to the Israelites will die. The Lord set a time and said, tomorrow the Lord will do this in the land. And the next day the Lord did it. All the livestock and the Egyptians died, but not one animal belonging to the Israelites died. Pharaoh investigated and found that not even one of the animals of the Israelites had died, yet his heart was unyielding and he would not let the people go. Here, all of their livestock is wiped out, and yet he still would not let the people go. But don't you love it how God chose this plague? And just like he chose the next plague right after that, the boils, he could have chosen anything, anything, anything. However, he knew, he knew exactly what would be the most impactful to the Egyptians. Think about all their livestock's dead, yet all of the Israelites' livestock is still alive. He is showing him that his people, he will protect his people. He will take care of their livestock. He has the power. And um, I believe that it showed it not just to the Egyptians, but also to the Israelites. He chose very specific plagues for specific purposes. And because he knew, he knew what the outcomes were going to be. He knew what he wanted to achieve in these. And he continued still, though, to harden Pharaoh's heart each time, though, didn't he? So, you know, when you read that, you realize how he pays attention and I've said this over and over, I know, but I just love how he pays attention to every detail. There's just something very freeing to know that my Yahweh, my, my savior, my God knows exactly what, when, where, how, everything I need. He knows exactly what I need. He knows exactly what he's doing on my behalf. He knows exactly what's going to get my attention, what's how to... Um, get what um, he wants in this world. So I can release it to him. And so I don't have to worry. You don't have to worry because, you know, if you look at Exodus and Exodus, he's really, what he's, what is he doing? He's doing it all on behalf of his beloved Israelites, just like he's doing it on behalf of his children, which are you and I, he does everything on our behalf. And so he is at work. And oftentimes when it seems, especially right now, when our world is so ugly and dark and there's so many horrible things going on, it's really hard sometimes to recognize that God has it all in control, but he does. And I think that gives you so much comfort and so much just freedom of, okay, all I have to do is what God called me to do. Be like Moses. Even if I'm scared, even if I'm, you know, um, not prepared to do it in my mind, if God calls me to do it, he's going to take care of everything I need. And I am just going to do what God's called me to do. And then I know that he's got the rest in control, whatever that looks like. And so when you think of even, you know, I often think of when people are sick and, um, it's so hard when you're losing a family member and a family member has cancer, what have you. And I remember when my best friend ministry partner was having, um, well, she had cancer. She passed away. It was heartbreak. I just knew God was going to heal her. And I remember her saying to me, Tina, whatever God's will is, is God's will. If he wants to take me, I'm ready. And I remember just that complete surrender of her, her 
you know, willingness to do whatever it was, whatever it was that God was calling her to do, even if it was go home and leave her family, which she didn't want to do. But yet there's this comfort, there's this peace when you know that God's plans are the best plans. God's sovereignty is everything you need. And when you look at, um, look at Pharaoh in, in this, he keeps, he keeps saying, no, no, no. And then he would release a little bit more. Every time Pharaoh would repent, wouldn't he? And then he, he would repent and he followed through, um, you know, and he, uh, well, God followed through every time he would repent and he would stop the plague. And then what would happen? Pharaoh would lie and he'd start. And then a plague would start all over again because he really wasn't repentive. He really wasn't um, in a place where he was surrendered to God. What he was doing was just saying, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine, do it. Stop the plague and I'll let him go. And then he wouldn't let him go. So God would say, no, sorry. Here comes another one, though. Because he wouldn't, he wouldn't keep his word, but God kept his word. And God is sovereign and God... God never, ever, ever lets us down. And in this case, when Pharaoh wouldn't um, obey, because he was so full of pride and so full of um, his own stuff and wanting to be the king and wanting to be the God, the Lord said, no, it's, you can do it my way. And um, Pharaoh was like, no, you're going to do it my way. And he's like, nope. So it's interesting how he, the Lord gave him chances, though. He gave him the chance to do it. Um, but then what did he do? He hit him right where it hurt. He revealed himself to be more powerful, more sovereign over all of their gods. It's, and he was very specific to the gods that the Egyptians believed in. If you look at chapter 9, when he sent the hail, do you notice he sent it everywhere except Goshen, where the Israelites were? And in um, verse 927, Pharaoh actually admits that he has sinned. So you see him begin to repent. You see him begin to um, ask. Well, he didn't ask for forgiveness. That's the biggest thing. He, but he admitted he had sinned, but he didn't repent, I should say. And that's why the plagues continued. He just um, was beginning to believe himself that God was who God said he was. But would he admit it to the people? Would he admit it anywhere? No, because he didn't want to lose his stature. So Moses tells him he doesn't believe right after 927. What does he say to him? He says, he doesn't believe that he fears the Lord. So um, one of the things that I love, 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 and I've talked about in this study is my John Maxwell Leadership Bible. In every aspect, in every chapter, and a lot of the pages, the um, it shows um, different areas of leadership from the um, people in the Bible and how do they lead well or how do they not lead well at all? And oftentimes like Pharaoh, he's not leading well. Um, but it talks about the 21 laws of leadership constantly throughout the entire Bible. And it just brings me back to, so I like to study all three of my Bibles simultaneously. And um, in chapter nine, it talks about the plagues and the law of victory. And when you think about the law of victory, law of victory teaches that leaders find a way for their team to win. And in this case, when we're talking about Moses and um, accomplishing the goals that God has set out and um, the, the goals from these plagues, like there was a specific tangible goal for each one of these plagues that God, God had in mind. And um, it was 
truly contradicting all of their major gods that they they believed and worshiped so greatly. And he was showing himself to be so much more powerful. And if you look at Moses's attitude and how it relates to the law of victory and the law of um, winning, right? The law of victory in chapter seven, verse two to three, he was patient. In chapter seven, four to seven, he was consistent. In chapters eight, 10 to 11, he was discerning. He was prayerful. You see that in chapter eight, verses 12. He's always praying. He's going back to the Lord. He's seeking the Lord, isn't he? And he was tenacious. He didn't give up. Verse um, in chapter 11, one, if you read a little bit further ahead, you see he's very tenacious and watch how he has been tenacious this entire time. And then he's credible. The people believed him. What Moses said, the people believed. And that is imperative. If we're going to have victory in the marketplace, if we're going to have victory in ministry and we're going to lead people well, and we're going to um, be who God's called us to be and achieve the goals that he has, we have to be people of integrity. We have to be people that people trust. They have to be able to trust us and they have to know that um, who we say we are, we are. Um, We're because we're people of integrity. And I believe that God has given us much, much more demonstration in all of this, of his power, his protection, his calling to worship, and also the assurance that he answers prayers. If you look at Moses and the victory that he um, achieves at the end, it's because he continuously prays and he prays and God's answering his prayers as he goes. But also notice, initially, it's not the way Moses thought it was going to be. I mean, you think about it. If I were Moses, and I think sometimes this is our personality, it's like one and done. Okay, Lord. Um, <laughs> chapter three, when he started doing, or right when he started doing the plagues, could we not have had one plague and um, you soften Pharaoh's heart, you changed his heart, and life is good and we move on? No because there was more to it. He had a greater plan. And oftentimes we're praying for something and it doesn't come through immediately. It doesn't come through that second. It's because God has greater plans. And if we rest in that and we're, we trust in that, then we know that even when we don't see the results right this second of that prayer, that God is in control and he will make a way and he will provide. It just may not be in our time, and it just may not be the way we thought it was going to look. But if we will persevere, and if we will be patient, we'll be consistent, we'll be discerning, we'll be prayerful, we'll be tenacious, and we're always credible, we're going to see God do great, great things with everything that he's called us to, and with our prayers, and just journal, journal your prayers journal what God's doing because I I can only imagine as you know Moses did thinking okay Lord but you said but Lord (laughs) but he didn't do that he's like okay Lord I'll do it okay then I'll do it okay I'll do it he just keeps doing whatever it is God's telling him to do and taking steps forward even when it doesn't look like he's succeeding doesn't he and so um, we want to make sure that we are um, that we are 
doing the same, well, that we're really setting the same example of great leadership that Moses was, and that we're setting the great example of, um, you know, the persistence, and that we're emulating God. In chapter 10, let's talk a little bit about that. We see Pharaoh finally saying yes to Moses. Then what happened? He wouldn't let him take the women and children. So the locusts came. Then what happened? Well, then he gets to, um, came to Egypt, and once again, Pharaoh repented, and he said, the locusts left. Once again, he denied God. In verse 20, it says, God hardened his heart again. So God's telling him to release the people, and yet he continues to harden his heart. The opposite of a hardened heart is what? It's a heart that fears the Lord. The Lord really wanted his heart to be fearful of God, and he knew, God knew that just letting it happen the first time wasn't going to be enough. If you look at Proverbs 9, 10, that's the scripture that describes a hardened heart is a heart that fears the Lord. In Ephesians 4, 18, what does it say? It says a hard-hearted individual is ignorant of God and his truth. Pharaoh was so ignorant and so prideful and so arrogant. And so what happens next? The plague of the darkness comes and each plague seemed to get Pharaoh to say, okay, I'll release this. Okay, I'll release this. But now, now he'd let him take the women and children, but he wouldn't let, let him take the livestock. And Moses is like, no, you have to let us take the livestock. We're going to worship God. We've got to make sacrifices. We don't know what animals we're going to be sacrificing. So Pharaoh once again said no. And you look at that and go, why is it that Pharaoh still wants to keep control, doesn't he? God's saying to him, no, you have to give total surrender. God wants him totally surrendered, just like he wants us totally surrendered. God is making each plague worse than the other. In verse 15, Moses reminds the king that, look, God's so powerful. I could have just put my, my staff down here and just touched the earth and I could have wiped you all out. But I didn't. Because God has a plan and God wants you to surrender. God wants you to release us to worship. And what does Pharaoh do? Pharaoh, I think at this point is saying, I know that your God is powerful and I know he's stronger than me, but I won't admit it completely publicly because I don't want to be put in that position. The pride, the attitude of my way or the highway, it's going to be my way. He just was so prideful and arrogant. And yet, so what does he say to him? He said, don't ever come back here. Just, I don't want to see your face, basically. And Moses fine, like, fine. So Moses agreed not to return. What happened then? Think about when, and Pharaoh's attitude of the my way or the highway. How many leaders do you know that are like that? It's going to be this way. And if you can't do it this way, then, um, get out of here kind of thing. They're so arrogant. They're so prideful. And um, his pride really led to what? The arrogance led to rigidity. He was so rigid. And when you lead this way, it's not going to be successful. No matter what you do, if you're leading with arrogance and rigidity, it's a terrible place. It's a terrible environment to be in. If you're a leader and you and you're leading that way, I'm going to encourage you to really think about humility and think about um, how you can serve 
your people versus leading with arrogance and pride. And um, it's just so contrary to God's will. And that's what God's telling Pharaoh. No, you're going to do it my way. It's going to be my will, not your will, but my will. And so um, when you look at um, what happened to Pharaoh, his arrogance, his pride, all of that, what happened? It ended up leading the Israelites to the promised land and his people where? Right to the bottom of the sea. So number one, you don't want to follow someone that's prideful and rigid and arrogant. Number two, you don't want to be a prideful, arrogant um, leader. There's just no room for it in leadership. And I um, coach LifeWork Leadership here in our local community, and I just love the program. It's a great nine-month program of these incredible speakers. Leaders come once a month um, for nine months. And um, Jim Morgan, who was the um, CEO of Krispy Kreme, he's an amazing man. He was one of my favorite speakers ever. Talk about humility. And just he just had such a sweet spirit of just wanting to serve God, but yet he was so authentic in his failures, which was so powerful to us in the room. But he shared, and it reminded us, reminded me of this study. He shared about um, the topic of humility and how God had called him. He had spent a great deal of his time in the business, in the marketplace kind of bringing God in the back door, right? People knew he went to church, et cetera, but he really didn't like serve God full force in the workplace. And he shared some of his personal struggles. He shared some of his challenges and gave some really great practical advice related to sharing Christ in the workplace. And when God called him out of his retirement to go be the CEO of Krispy Kreme, he's like, nope, if I go in, I'm going in with, you know, God in the front door. God's going in the front door with me. I'm doing it this way. And it reminded me a lot of this study and about Moses and how he was just so bold and courageous about his faith. And I believe God's calling us to be that way in the workplace, to be bold and courageous in our leadership, that people would not question who we are or what we stand for. I believe he's calling us to um, to live a life of humility that people would just see the love of Christ through us. And um, he shared so many great examples. I would love to share the video and I may share it with you at some point. It was just um, so powerful. He talked about how he empowered his leadership, even when he wasn't 100% sure about what he was going to accomplish. He listened to the Lord. He felt like in one situation, how he would believe that it was the best thing um, to allow his director of marketing to do this one program. But in his mind, he's like, I don't know that we're going to make a lot of money out of it. But then he shared a story of how the, it impacted one individual, one child who was dying of cancer and how powerful it was. And sometimes we don't look at things when we're in business and leadership from how it's going to impact people. We're looking at always the bottom dollar. And so I'm going to encourage you today as you move forward today, ask the Lord how he might want to use your company, your um, opportunity in the marketplace to really impact lives. And um, yes, we're out to make a profit, but we're really on this planet to do what God's 
what God's called us to do. And like Moses, we want to be bold and courageous despite of our own weaknesses, because we all have them, but God can transform them as we draw closer and closer and closer to him. And he gives us everything we need to do what he's called us to do. Moses lived a life of humility and Mark did as well, does as well. And Mark shared um, one statement and I loved this. He says, but don't confuse self-doubt with humility. I'm going to repeat that. Do not confuse self-doubt with humility. We are called to live a life of humility. We must be humble servants, yet we must be confident and we need to be bold and we need to remember God has us. God is going to use us and we can do anything, anything, anything that he's called us to do through him with his strength. He gives us the strength to do everything we need. He gives us everything we need. And I, I look at this, these chapters that we're doing and they emphasize that over and over and over and over how God is in control. When God calls you to do something like he called Moses, he will do whatever it takes to make it happen. He will move the mountains. He will move locusts. He will move, (laughs) he will make it dark. He will make it, you know, he will do it. So I'm going to share that he's, uh, Mark shared the sheet of um, lies that the enemy tells us and the truth of God. And it's just, it's so good. It's so powerful. I want to just share a few of these with you. When you say, I can't do it. God says, you can do all things. Philippians 4.13. When you say, I'm not able. God says, I am able. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, you say it's not worth it. And God says it will be worth it. Romans 8, 28, you say, I can't forgive myself. God says, I already forgave you. 1 John 1, 9, 1 John 1, 9, and Romans 8, 1. You say, I am afraid. God says, I have not given you a spirit of fear. 2 Timothy 1, 7. You say, I'm not smart enough. God says, I give you wisdom. 1 Corinthians 1.30. You say, I feel alone. God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Hebrews 13.5. And I believe that God wants us to remember these things. And these scriptures and Exodus and these other scriptures that we are looking at today are such great reminders. I'm going to encourage you, if there's an area of your life that you are struggling to have confidence, to have boldness, write it out, repeat it over and over and over. The truth, write out that verse, tell it to yourself, write it out multiple times every day for 63 days, because it takes, and we've talked about this before in some of the other studies I've done, Carolyn Leaf. Um, which is a Christian um, neuroscientist talks about it takes three sets of 21 days to break a habit. Well, those lies are habits that you're telling yourself in your mind. So create a new habit by telling yourself the truth, the truth of God, replace the lies with the truth and just tell yourself the truth over and over and over because we want to be so confident and so bold and, um, get out there and do whatever it is that God's calling you to do. 
And I'm just going to pray for you right now, Lord, in this study, in your word, reveal yourself to us in new ways. Reveal yourself to us like never before. Show us areas, Lord, that we're still not confident in, Lord. Reveal your truth. Give us your scriptures each time. Just um, let us emulate you so greatly because we're so confident because we change the thought processes that we have that are the lies, that we replace them with the truth, that we know that we know that we know that you are sovereign, you are Lord, and you've got us. You have got our backs. You've got everything in control, even though sometimes it doesn't feel like it. Sometimes we don't see it immediately. We know that you have it, Lord. We thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for using us. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to serve today and to just... um dig deep in your word, Father, that you've given us the word so that we know we can do all things through you who cry through Christ who strengthens us and that we are your masterpieces and that you love us so deeply. And I thank you for answering our prayers and just being the good, good father that you are, Lord. So thank you. And ladies, it's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm just so excited to be with you and to continue this this study with you and to just watch God show up in your lives. And I cannot wait for you to share what he's revealing to you today. So share it with me, have a great day, and I will be back with you soon with the next chapters. God bless you. Love you ladies. 